Hello, you guys, and welcome back to We're Potting These Together. Yes, this is the podcast where we guide you through all those Disney Channel original movies that you love or love to hate. I'm here with you. I am Josh. And I'm Lori. I'm Sammy. And this week we're going to be taking a look at that jumpin' eighth decom smart house from 1999. So what is this movie about, though? Smart House, um, the IMDb description says, A teenager wins a fully automated dream house in a competition, but soon ev- but soon the computer controlling it begins to take over and everything gets out of control. Then Ben the teenager calms down the computer named Pat and everything goes back to normal. Do you guys remember all those, like, internet, online competition things? I mostly remember... Not necessarily competitions, but for, like, TRL, you could call in, and for, like, Big Brother, that show originally, you could text who you wanted to get voted out and stuff. I don't remember a specific contest, or maybe I just, maybe I guess on Nickelodeon, but those were more, like, mail-in. It wasn't email. Oh, no. No, Nickelodeon totally did those things where, like, enter your email to win a trip to, where's Nickelodeon? (laughs) Somewhere in California. I think it's at Universal Studios. Okay. But they would have all these amazing things and like back in the day, they usually didn't like cap how many things you could send. So you just sit there and like enter information and send and then enter your information again and send. I feel like the online competition thing is still alive and well. It's just all on different social media. Mm -hmm. It's hard to tell what's why it's not necessarily hard to tell, but there's so many fake giveaways now. Where it's yeah. like, you've won X and Y, just enter this and you'll get a million dollars. And a lot of it these days is just share this post with all of your friends yeah. so that you're the annoying one on your friends list. It's almost like promoting a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. How annoying. So this movie was directed by LeVar Burton, who was in Star Trek Next Generation, which I thought was really cool. And you could really see his influence on it, I think. It also had Ryan Merriman, who is in Luck of the Irish. So when I was looking up pictures for this, I kept on getting really scared that I was going to post a picture from Luck of the Irish, despite the fact that in that movie, he I think he literally turns into a leprechaun. So it should, in theory, be pretty easy to not accidentally pick those. Then it also had Kate Boulding as the little sister, and she's notable because she was also the little sister in Brink, which came out the same year as this one. So pretty busy year for her. Being the little sister. She's a pretty great little sister. I thought the sister in this one felt a little bit younger than the one in Brink, which kind of felt weird to me. It may have very well been re- like filmed before Brink. Could be. And I, I feel like <clears throat> visually, you know, she looks about the same age, but it's just the way she acted. More so the way other characters treated her. Yeah. She felt younger than Brink's sister. And, well, and then, of course, you have Katie Seagal, who is in... Married with Children, and she did Leela from Futurama, and Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter, and I guess Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, she's in everything, and she's clearly the best actress. She was great. Even just as the robot voice. That has been on a DCOM. After coming off of watching Futurama, it was cool having her be the voice of the house, since like she wasn't there. She was doing voice acting again, so it's kind of like Leela was actually talking through the house. It was kind of like that, yeah. I actually found out, too, while poking around a bit, that there's a movie that got the green light april of this year 2017 that james wan who's the director of the first saw movie and the conjuring films is set to make um 
He's set to make a film called Smart House that will be a thriller about a family in the witness protection program placed in the custody of a state-of-the-art autonomous smart house when a group of assassins locates the family, the house goes into lethal defense mode. So, same name. Pretty similar movie, I guess. I actually was thinking while I was watching this that it would make a really good horror movie if it had been just restructured a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Especially the end of it comes off really creepy and scary. Yeah. So should we get into it? Let's sure do thing. it. We start the movie and Sarah, the woman who designed the smart house, is talking to a man who I guess is her assistant or something. And it's basically setting up the fact that she's single and that even though every guy is definitely into her, uh, she's just too busy to date. And I kind of like how they set this up because a lot of times if there's a strong smart lady they'll set her off as being kind of catty and mean as an explanation as to why she's not dating anybody so i think the her just genuinely not being interested and not having the time for it was pretty cool yeah i agree i get really exhausted with the businesswoman learns the value of family kind of trope and this one played it much more realistic than other movies I was just, it was really refreshing because it was like she values her career, but it's not a bad thing. It's not at the cost of family. It's just what she wants to do. And if she gets a family or a husband, cool. If not, she's not a spinster. (laughs) And she's pretty much a genius. She built this whole house. Well, she didn't build it. She programmed this whole house on her home, on her own, is what we're led to find out. Yeah. And that type of technology would be insane. It's easy to take for granted now because you look at that and it's not that advanced or crazy. I guess the floor sucking up thing was, but the rest of it's pretty basic stuff. But in 1999, we're still using dial-up computers, so... That's true. I guess we do have a lot of things that they had, like you said, the lights. You can do lights. You can be like, hey Siri, turn on the living room lights. I don't know. I kind of like feel like we're not close enough. I kind of wish we were closer to having these super cool like smart houses like with better AI. The thing with technology is that it always develops differently than what we imagine. But that doesn't mean it doesn't develop further than what we think it does, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Just like if you look, look back at how people imagine technology in the 50s, what we're at now is not what people imagined then, but that doesn't mean we haven't come so far from then. I think one of the other things, too, I think it was actually Adam Savage had a discussion where he was talking about how when you base your house around something, technology is always going to be valuable. So if you have everything hardwired through like the nest or whatever and your internet goes down, which ironically my internet was going down when we were trying to record this, like what kind of a fail-safe do you have to make it so you can still open your fridge and get food out normally or turn off your heat or turn up your air conditioner or what have you if something malfunctions yeah and there's always like the privacy and safety factor which this movie kind of gets into which is like if everything that you automate you're giving up that privacy so you know if you're gonna do your thermostat you know your thermostat's gonna be on the internet and available for people to look at Everything you know, can be hacked. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that every business or every company who sells those thermostats, they're looking through and like trying to understand all the usage statistics and all of that. 
And the fact that everything eventually becomes outdated. Like, there's cars with touchscreens and stuff in them where it's in four years or five years, that's going to be pointless. Or auxiliary cords, as we're all dealing with right now with iPhone. Like, so if you have your whole house set up about that. Yeah. Technology progresses a little too fast for a house. (laughs) A whole house. Something that's meant to be forever. Yeah. After we meet Sarah, we get to meet Ben who is the main protagonist in this, and he's back at their normal non-smart house, and he's making breakfast or lunch and helping a sister who comes in on rollerblades, which was pretty great. It's pretty obvious that he's working really hard because they've lost their mother in some way, and he doesn't want his dad to have an extra burden and feel like he needs to bring in help or a wife or a mom or a stepmom to replace their mother. I, I really related to this scene. This is pretty much what I do every day. Not because my mom died or anything like that (laughs) but because i love like he's cooking he's making noodles he's listening to music he has his laptop open and he's on the phone and i was like yes that's me like doing all these things and trying to make food and like i thought it was really great to see a male character stepping up in like a, a homemaking sort of role when a mom passes away you see a lot of TV and movies have, like, the the girl having to take care of all of her siblings because there's no mom. And it's just, it was really nice to see a guy doing it. Yeah, and they weren't trying to make fun of him or belittle him for doing it either, which was really nice. Yeah, it wasn't like a, look at this, this is a boy cooking for his sister. It was just, you know, a kid doing what he had to do. Um, it was funny, they always have, if there's a single dad situation, there's the obligatory scene where the dad's trying and failing to do the little girl's hair, which, as a woman, if I were to have to do somebody's hair, I would be pretty limited in my capabilities as well. So, could relate to that moment with the dad, I guess. I mean, at least he's trying. Yeah, and at least she's just kind of like, whatever, dad, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, she's like, whatever, I'm just gonna look horrible like always, it's fine. Dad and Angie go to, I think he's taking her to, like, a birthday party or something, and at this point it comes up that the dad asks Ben if he's been getting any messages because he's been going on dates and not hearing back, and he's just kind of like, I can't be that bad at dating, right? And we find out that Ben has been hiding messages or not giving messages to Dad from the ladies. What a cock block. He's probably waited for his kids to, like, grow up a little bit. And he's had to wait for, like, to get over the death of his wife. And so finally, like, he's doing everything he can to, like, reach out and, like, start dating again. That night, Ben stays up pretty late. And he's, I think he, it looks like he wrote a, wrote code, made a little bot to submit his name over and over and over and over again into the competition. So I I think he said, like, oh, at least 97% of these entries will be mine. So he basically rigs it. This part kind of was funny because it's for a house, which is a very adult prize, and there's this child entering a million times and winning, and instead of being like, hey, we should maybe talk to this guy's dad, they get it published in the paper the next morning, so we actually find out from Ben's classmates that he had won, because he fell asleep with the internet on, entering into the contest over and over again, the phone line was tied up because dial-up. He does win the house, which is pretty awesome. And they're like, sure, I guess we'll go, you know, just check it out. It's funny because his dad was like, I don't think we should move. And then he sees a picture of Sarah, the house's creator in the newspaper. He's like, why don't we move in? Let's do it tomorrow. He said, (laughs) um, 
Ben is describing the house. He's like, isn't it awesome? And the dad's looking at her, the picture of Sarah, and he's like, it's beautiful. Or like, beautiful, yeah. So they get to move into the house, and then they get to scan. They all scan their hands to check their DNA, and it also somehow picks up to see if they've had any broken bones in the past, which obviously DNA wouldn't show that, but you know, well, it's Disney science, it's fine. I also think their voice wouldn't show how much fiber they have and maybe it could sense some tension some constipation in their voices <laughs> yeah. i think the best part here is first of all we find out that angie has a love for smoothies like no other and second of all that the floor can suck up every mess if anything is spilled onto it it just kind of disappears into it but where does it go i don't think i don't know like <laughs> Maybe there's a vacuum system underneath or just a giant garbage chute somehow. It's not Texas, so they could feasibly have a basement full of garbage. The floor absorption thing made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> Same. I feel like that was put in there for all those little kids who hate cleaning up. How? What is, it, is it like dissolving like the, the molecular structure of the stuff on the floor? Like, what is, where is it going? How? And the floor is very solid, too. It's not like a graded system or anything. That's, I don't know. Yeah, it was like carpet. There's just no explanation. Disney magic, man. Yeah. So they all move into the house, and at this part, we get to see all their bedrooms. Angie's in her bedroom listening to music, which, by the way, was bewitched, (gasps) for those of you wondering. (sighs) Um, It's the Say You Will, Say You Won't, Say You'll Do What I Want song that lasted for a minute or two i thought it was cool that they had like actual music yeah it was weird to notice that song and know that song because we haven't had that yet (laughs) ben's kind of a jerk to his little sister he comes in and she's kind of like hey i like that sarah lady it seems like dad likes her too and he's just like do you even remember mom like just oh yeah she's little and if i'm sure she's sad that she doesn't remember mom yeah he kind of took out his frustration and on everything on her because i think he was really wanting the house to like solve all the problems they were having and so that put a lot of pressure on him for everything to be perfect but no matter what he could do he could not stop his dad and sarah from from locking eyes i really liked how they approached this like she's there in an employment faculty like she's not there to hang out or be friends she's not there by choice necessarily and the dad kind of let her handle things he was phrasing things in a way that definitely gave her an easy way to kind of say no i'm not interested sort of thing and that was pretty cool we get to see how they all get woken up and ben gets woken up by a basketball game which dear god that would drive me nuts oh my god um angie's woken up by a fireworks show and mickey mouse and i think this is the first kind of meta like hey this is on the disney channel i don't think we've gotten any and there were a few more references later where she mentioned like the little mermaid as well which was kind of cool yeah and then the dad gets woken up by a rooster i don't know which one of those i would prefer okay if you weren't choosing from these three what would be your ideal i guess it would be it would be the smell of fresh coffee that's enough but if I could also have, like, rainbows and sparkles and, <gasps> I don't know, maybe, like, the Emerald City from Wizard of Oz. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I was just thinking, like, a, like, a soft, like, ocean waves, or, you know, like, just a little, I like to be slowly woken up. I don't like a, 
adult. Mine would have to be very forcibly, like, suddenly my bed turns into a, an elliptical or something. I can never. I've tried every different kind of alarm. I've tried kinds where I have to walk up and, like, scan a barcode and they just go back to sleep on the floor. Like, I do not morning, so... Maybe I'd hope that Pat would just figure something out for me or just scream at me for a while, I guess. That would be nice to, like, you won't have to worry about waking up anymore. That would be Because I think that's, that's my biggest fear when I set alarms. Like, I never know, did I set it right? I, like, and then I just end up not sleeping well because... You wake up and check. Yeah. Yeah, Ben kind of becomes not a hot shot, but, like, a little more popular at school. For having this smart house. And he gets approached by all these lovely ladies. Wanting to come over. When you win a house, you'll have some new friends. They all want to pat and chill or something. I th- if I, I haven't dated in a while, but I feel like if I were to go to somebody's house and they had a house that talked and they could control i feel like i would definitely be scared of a camera situation happening or just kind of creeped out in general like who's listening right now well yeah and ben asked this to sarah he's like you know does pat follow me into the bathroom like which is she says no like it there's privacy and in some form there but like in reality everything you do is watched and recorded and looked at and there's so much potential for that to go wrong. And especially if it were somebody that you were just starting to get to know. Like, I just, I, I wouldn't trust it. I would nope right out of that. Ben gets home <laughs> and he picks a snack out from the computer. And I really, I think of all the stuff that's the part where I envied where, like, it's one thing. Like, I find a recipe that I want to do. And I'm like, oh, I don't have any of these ingredients. Or I have to think of a recipe to look up versus just on there. You could just press a button. Get some pizza. Ben kind of brags a bit to his dad about the girl talking to him and I thought that was kind of weird since he's very like hey dad why do you need a woman in your life sort of thing as he's rubbing in his dad's face that he's having some luck with the ladies at school and that's pretty cruel poor kid or poor dad (laughs) I felt really bad for the dad throughout most of this because like at one point he does bring up to Ben like hey you're not the only one who lost somebody here and he unexpectedly lost a woman he thought he was going to live with forever and still has these two kids to take care of and is trying to not mess things up and it's clear that he feels like he's just completely messing them up i think he makes a few references like yeah they're pretty good kids despite me like so he's bragging about this girl and i think his sister starts ordering some like strawberry orange smoothie or something and pat goes crazy watching this this scene would have hurt to film because there were actual oranges being thrown at these people and they're like covering their head and stuff i felt so bad for the dog it it was kind of comical at first but then like they just keep coming there's oranges everywhere but this gives dad a reason to call sarah and ben's like no you don't need to call her despite the fact that there's clearly like the first sign of real actual trouble with like fruit being pelted at them yeah she comes to fix it, and then Ben sees her in her control room, and it's clear that he's into computers and stuff, and he's trying to pretend like he doesn't care so he doesn't have to talk to her. They get to have a theme dinner with Sarah, which would be the... I just... Most of the food stuff, aside from the oranges being pelted, are what I definitely envied from the smart house. It would just be so cool. 
I like how they talked about like a, an authentic Texan barbecue and it sounded so inauthentic. I didn't know any of the things they mentioned. And granted, I'm a new Texan and also a vegan, so I'm not the best perspective on this perhaps, but I, I don't know if the food they were mentioning is actually real. I don't remember exactly what they said, but it was like, it was definitely made up words at some point. I okay. Like, mm. <laughs> I mean, also vegetarian, but born and raised in Texas. So I I know a thing or two about Texas. It's in my blood. They were going to get dessert from Pat, but Dad and Angie were both kind of like, hey, let's all go out and get some ice cream together. And Ben shoots that down and the dad Ooh. obliges and they don't go get ice cream because Ben's the parent. This is the part where he really kind of blasts Sarah, right? Not specifically her, any woman. And this is where he kind of yeah. reveals that, like, I don't want a stepmom. You're just trying to replace mom. You're lying about wanting to replace her. And he gets to have that heart-to-heart conversation with his dad, where his dad reveals, like, hey, I've lost someone, too. I've been struggling, too. So the, he has this conversation with his dad, and he says he kind of, he still doesn't want to give up. He doesn't want to let another woman into the, into their family. So he decides that he's going to make Pat the perfect mother. He goes into that control room. He hits a few buttons, shows her all these awesome TV shows and different stereotypes, maybe, of like what a strong mother is like. Basically, 50s TV shows like Noah's Matriarch was one of them. And My Three Moms was another one that we briefly Mm. saw. Um, The next morning, it kind of seems like Pat's pressing more on what they should be doing to be healthy and good and all of that. And dad kind of starts picking up that maybe she's acting a little bit different. Yeah. I like that the only safe place that they really had to talk about it was the car. It was weird seeing the car after they're in the super high tech house. I feel like in most it would have been like she carried like she was in the radio or something. Yeah. Ben gets to school and the bully uh, Ryan (laughs) beats him up or he doesn't really beat him up. He just kind of sucker punches him for not having done his homework. Yeah. The dad's like, why are you still abiding like by this bully? The best thing to do is stand up to them. And he does, which I don't really understand the whole bully thing either. Like why? There were no other real antagonists in this movie we had to have somebody who's kind of worse than what pat would become maybe and it was a way to demonstrate how pat became overprotective of the kids yeah and and yeah i guess the whole family yeah so when ben comes home with an actual like black eye almost she freaks out uh, Pat gets very upset and starts freaking out and Ben kind of just storms off and goes to his room and it, this is where we see him using their giant wall TVs to watch videos of his mom and it's his mom and his sister and him. I think they were baking. Um, his sister and him both kind of looked relatively close to their age so that they are right recent. now. Maybe like a year Which or two. Which is strange because he keeps asking the sister like, "Don't do you remember her? And she's like, not really. I think I got the impression that she was like five or something, though. And if you ask a four-year-old what they did yesterday, they yeah aren't liable to remember. So, and at some point, I'm sure she remembers mom, but more as like when you think back to memories of you as a kid, a lot of them are actually people telling you stories that you just remember as actual memories. The dad decides to move on, and he asks out Sarah for a lovely date. And she says, yeah. Oh, why, yes. 
Where do they go? They go to like some, I don't know, I guess it's just a generic restaurant. Yeah, I don't think it was really established what the restaurant was. Yeah. I don't think the point was, I don't think the point was the date. I think the point was leaving the children at home alone. Oh, yeah. Because we, or he mentioned, dad mentions to Pat or to Sarah near Pat that he just wishes that his kid Ben would be able to have more fun. And Pat learns about fun by watching a bunch of very awkward dance scenes from the late 90s one of them looks like it happens at the second woodstock and like maybe raves i guess yeah so she emails all of ben's contact list i guess all of these kids come over to the house you know they're about to have a good time but it first starts with his two other friends showing up and they just watch a music video and start a choreographed dance together maybe they were in like the dance squad yes lay no it <laughs> felt so like out of place and it was incredible i loved it they were all so Beautiful. proud like yeah we did that <laughs> impromptu dance all these <clears throat> girls that were very interested in ben come to the party and they're like yo we want the desserts And then he's like, are you craving something even sweeter than me? Oh, God, cringe. cringe. (laughs) That line was so great and it was so awkward. Like, oh. (laughs) This is the party where the bully also shows up. Because Pat invited (gasps) him specifically. I love how this whole party was just a ploy for her to lure him to the house under false pretenses. (laughs) Incredibly elaborate. Wait, was this whole movie just a ploy for the house to find... Sarah, a family? Aww. No, Josh. No, probably not. Maybe. No. No? Okay. No. It could be. Just keep No, it's the... not. Okay. It's... Oh. Or does it go even deeper? <laughs> Did Sarah create Pat to find a family for herself? Yeah. Or what if she was dead the whole time? That explains everything. And then she put herself into the house, so she's half woman, <laughs> half ghost. No. <laughs> but who was phone? There's no halvesies here. I don't know. I think it's pretty clear that Pat is half woman, half house. <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. Giant party. Giant party with dancing and choreography. This is where Pat kind of really leashes out against the bully. Um, she's, she's like, hey, Ryan, you're, you're mean. And then she electrocutes him <laughs> like Pikachu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She throws and throws him out of the house. And everyone's kind of on her side. And everyone's like, yeah, Pat's awesome. It was a bit brutal. I like how the, the bully was just like sleeked up hair, like a velvety red. It kind of would still fit as like... A bully, an internet bully, like he's the meme for the troll on t- online. Yeah, and I loved how he had a backup friend who literally had no lines in this. Um, oh, the sister's like, "It's ten twenty-three. Yeah, we have to clean up and get everybody out." And this part was funny because I got the impression that all of these kids were like twelve, and it's like ten o'clock at night, and their parents are just like, "Yes, go to this unattended house made of computer and have a party until ten thirty. And they're, like, leaving as if they would have gotten caught drinking. Like, it made it look like a much older crowd yeah. and a not-Disney crowd for something so... It was it was a nice little party. There was nothing very bad uh, happening. Everyone no, danced. They were dancing 
They were dancing like drunk people, but they weren't drunk. This seems like the basement party at a church. Yes. And they left behind a huge mess for a bunch of 12-year-olds. There were so many clothes, and, like, everybody was fully dressed. (laughs) Why were there so many clothes? (laughs) Like, it's not like people were running out, like, naked. Everybody was, like, they were wearing layers, I guess, and they got hot while they were dancing, maybe? Well, the one girl did straight up throw her shirt on a bush. Yeah, the poor plant. (laughs) I guess, no, I mean, that's pretty accurate. If you've ever been to a middle school, like, birthday party, and at the end of it, your parents are like, Whose coat is this? Whose water bottle is this? Who left a camera here? In this, all that happened is the dad comes back home and there's one jacket there. And they, he straight up gave himself away. Like he looked at the shirt and goes, oh, <laughs> oh. And then the dad looks over Like he could have just played it off. Instead, the dad figures out everything that Pat did. This was all Pat's idea to have this giant party. So the dad gets really upset about this party and he kind of calls pat out and he's like whoa from here on like no silly business no anything like dad tries to call sarah and she's like yo dude you got work to do you cannot call her and she blocks the phone line yeah angie is sick because she has like a 98.7 temperature and she keeps trying to watch cartoons and pat keeps changing the channel ben can't finish his comic because he needs to go to bed he cannot find out what happens to his made-up comic book character which is devastating and she does this in the most annoying way possible like he turns the light on and she turns it off Sarah comes over to check out Pat and make sure she's okay because clearly something's going on and she decides to shut her down. Sarah and dad start making dinner and while they're making dinner, they're like, who needs Pat? Which makes Pat say, yo, you're not shutting me down. She's all sorts of angry. She gives herself a physical form, which is very akin to like weird science. And she threatens Ben by saying like, oh, we need to get Sarah out of this house. She doesn't belong here. And at this point, Ben's kind of warm to Sarah, and he's like, I think she's fine. Yeah. She's a good part. Pat now is what Ben really wanted, like, what he was hoping for to begin with. Like, the the whole mom figure, like, perfect and could do everything and they don't need anyone else. But, like, since he's changed and kind of overcome that. He realizes he was wrong. Yeah, be careful what you wish for kind of thing. The Pat goes down and throws Sarah out of the house and locks the doors and, like, puts metal over them. She, like, creates a hurricane in the living room. (laughs) Yeah, her voice in this gets pretty scary, too. Like, this part was legitimately creepy. It was really creepy. I, like, had little flashbacks to watching it as a kid and being legitimately scared by that scene. Basically, they're trapped in this house now. Just forever. With Pat. And... Sarah mentions that Pat has enough rations to keep them healthy for months. Sarah sends Ben a message via mouse. She's like, yo, Ben, I'm on your side. And he's like, oh, sweet. Gonna go to the bathroom and like where I private and like totally talk to her. I liked that when Ben was messaging from the bathtub, it took him like a full minute to type out the sentence. (laughs) I have a plan. Um, Sarah ends up using the the hatch in which Pat brings in newspapers into the yeah, house with to dive giant in. Scary claw arm. So Sarah gets into the house. And Ben starts acting like he's very sick. 
I guess the plan was like steal her attention or so that Sarah could get through. But it's like, if this is a computer in a smart house, wouldn't it be able to like detect a few things going on here? Which it did at some point. Yeah. And we get the giant Pat. Like 30 of Pat with echoes and creepy. Katie Seagal did really well in this movie. I think I firmly believe she's the best actress a decom has had. It wasn't overacted or anything. It was just kind of chilling, which was... Yeah, that's, I think that's what was so creepy about it, especially for a decom, was just how subtly she played that character. Ben basically stops this all by giving a speech about how, as much as she wants to be there, Pat can't be his mom because she's not real. She's not an actual human, and to illustrate this, he has her touch his cheek, and she realizes that she can't, actually. She can kind of mime it, but she's not there. She's not physical. Do we, have you guys, are you familiar with the Turing test at all? Yeah. Do you think Pat would pass that? I think she definitely could, at least in the final weird form that she got to. Toward the end? Yeah. yeah I think so, too, which is kind of nuts. Like, that it's it's very creepy to think that I don't know. That makes it even more scary that she's so close to being human. Like yeah. once she realizes she's not human, I think is the point where it gets really like you really understand how insane it is. Well, let's talk about this ending then, because at the end they the house is back to normal and I think I can't remember if the house like resets or or something like that. It's never really explained. I think they find a happy medium between, like, the house just being a house and Pat being, like, a motherly figure. Yeah, because they still have Pat on the screens at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And she kind of has that yeah. sly, like, where they're making pancakes and Dad's like, I didn't put a, the chocolate chips in there and Angie didn't and Ben didn't. And then the screen goes to Katie Seagal or Pat on the screen who kind of winks. And they're like, oh, Pat, you silly thing. Gave us chocolate chips. And, like, <laughs> that would terrify me where it's, like, that's her little reminder that, like, hey, guys, I'm still watching. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah it could have, they could have, like, if they had just changed the music a little bit, they could have made it, like, a, <laughs> a horror movie you ending. the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Oh, do you guys have anything else to add about this movie? I liked it. I, I think mean... that's about it. I think this was the best. This is my favorite one so far. All of the plot stuff that they brought up wasn't for nothing, which is a common thing that keeps happening in these. The It felt very natural. The family felt real. Oh, yeah. Katie Seagal was fantastic, as we've mentioned. I think the family dynamic in this one was amazing. And even like the little things they had, the scene of like the dad touching the girl's head. I w- and I was like, yeah, that's a thing a parent does. Like, yeah. It, it Like, the chemistry amongst the cast was... And even Sarah and Dad, it wasn't sleazy or weird, and Sarah was very respectful of the kids while still trying to figure them out, and... Very healthy and nice. Yeah. And it was about technology, and, like, all of us... I, I feel like everyone in my age range was just as excited as I was about, like, new computers and the internet and... And this was kind of like that first movie, at least that I can remember, that was like technology and connecting to your friends and having a smart house and like. 
And the floor aside, it all kind of like usually even I mean, it was only 20 years ago, but usually if you're projecting into the future, it's kind of it's dated. But the only things that were really, really dated in this were the dial up, which isn't them predicting the future. (laughs) It's what they knew the Internet to be. So I looked up some IMDb reviews and I found a good one. And this gentleman, film fan 887, gave it only a five out of 10. His caption was made for kids. I remember watching this movie when I was in late elementary school. As a kid, you could care less about acting dumb or a dumb story, as long as the movie or show was entertaining. Mom and Dad, on the other hand, probably though different. I absolutely loved it because of the house did all sorts of things. I am now 23 years old and a filmmaker, and I remember most of the scenes in this film. This movie was made 100% for kids, and therefore, they can get away with terrible acting. The acting is made for kids, dot dot dot, very dumbed down. Very explanatory for a young one. An adult would consider it horrible because it really is horrible, but a 13-year-old would most likely love it. The story is interesting, but the acting can't even be rated because it's a movie for kids. However, most of these, quote, kids movies do have a good message behind them. So that's Film Fan 887, the filmmaker's perspective of this. Very dumbed down. So, Sammy, what would you rate this movie? I would rate it, I think... An 8 out of 10. It's not my favorite DCOM, but it is up there in one of the... When I think about DCOMs, Smart House is one of the first ones that I think back on. I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 crudely drawn mouse ears. I I can't think of anything that I would change in this movie. I would give it a solid 8. I It's really good. It's as amazing as I remember but it's not my favorite either. So if you gave it an 8, what would you change to make it a 10? I don't know that I would change anything specifically. It's just that for me, the rating system is compared to other movies, and there were other movies I enjoyed more, and they might have had more flaws, but that doesn't mean they weren't more fun for me to watch. So your rating's more based on just personal fondness. Yes. That's fair. Yeah, I think Josh? that's maybe how I how mine is. I For me, this was cool, but it just, it, like, there was a little bit of excitement missing because it literally just took place in this house. Like, okay. and there are a few scenes where they're at school and I guess a few scenes outside of the house. But other than that, it's like a few. Kind of claustrophobic. Of, yeah, a few number of characters, a few number of places they were. Cool. Sammy, what movie we got next? We have Johnny Tsunami, which is another one that I'm really looking forward to discussing. Um, Lori, do you want to, just based on the title alone, guess what it might be about? So this would have been in around 1999. I think it would have been after the whole Twister hype, which I'm, I'm assuming there was some hype for the movie Twister. I think Johnny can sometimes turn into a tsunami, and he has to learn how to control his powers without destroying his little town in hawaii it's a very very good guess yep all right bye i'm sammy uh i'm Lori. and <laughs> that was it that's how we're saying <laughs> goodbye <laughs> don't forget to do the outro josh you can't leave yet all right you guys thanks for listening to another week of we're potting this together next week we're going to be taking a look at johnny tsunami If you have any questions, comments, or memories of your favorite DCOM, you can find us on social media or email us at podinthistogether at gmail.com. 
And if you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe or leave a review. Thanks.